All right, we are in a series this morning that we're calling Holy Human. And uh, this morning we wanna talk about uh, the soul, living with soul. Uh, One of my favorite stories as a kid was about the Air Force pilot who was flying on a mission during the war. And uh, while he was on that mission, he was shot down behind enemy lines. He was able to parachute out, uh, was immediately captured, but he was badly injured. So he was taken to the hospital. And despite receiving good medical care, the doctor eventually came to him and, and said, I'm sorry, but your hands become badly infected and it needs to be amputated. And the pilot said, well, that's terrible, but I understand. I have just uh, one request. When you remove my hand, could you please send it back to my home country uh, so that it can be buried on my native soil? And the doctor said, well, that's a little unusual request, but um, we'll see what we can do. And if we could get the ushers to please close the back doors, that would just be appreciated. So a few days later, the doctor returned and said, "Uh, we can do that. Unfortunately, a few days after that, the doctor came back and said, well, you know, we removed your hand, but your arm actually has become infected as well, and we're going to have to amputate your arm. And the pilot said, well, uh, that's terrible, but I understand. But I do have one request. Uh, When you remove my arm, could you please send it back to my home country so that it can be buried on my native soil? The doctor said, well, that's an unusual request, but we'll see what we can do. Came back to the pilot and said, well, you know, we can, we can do that. Well, unfortunately, a few days after that, the doctor came back to the pilot and said, your foot has become badly infected. Uh, we're not able to save it. It needs to be amputated. The pilot said, well, that's terrible, but uh, I understand. I just have one request. When you remove my foot, could you please send it back to my home country so that it can be buried on my native soil? And the doctor said, no, we will not do that. And the pilot said, well, why not? When you remove my hand or remove my arm, you're able to send it back. The pilot or the the doctor said, yes, but now we think you're trying to escape. (laughs) As a kid, I thought that story was just hilarious. Uh, I'm not sure what that says about me, but uh, what makes this story funny, I guess, is that we know a prisoner can escape piece by piece. As humans, uh, we're more than just a bunch of body parts that can be assembled or disassembled. Uh, You know, there's more to us than that. Now, it's interesting that with the incredible advances of medical technology and and, and medical science, uh, surgeons are able to take the body part of one person and transplant it into the body of someone else. Uh, It's become almost a, a common Occurrence, and really we don't think that much about it anymore, aside from the fact that it's a very generous and, and heroic act on the part of the organ donor. You know, whether it's somebody that, that's passed away and has signed the organ donation card, or, or whether it's somebody that's still living, like in the, in the case of a, a kidney transplant, you know, it's a, it's a very generous, uh, heroic act. But uh, it wasn't that long ago that this was really a big deal. In fact, when I was in college, one of my classmates was Lori, And Lori's father was one of the first people, I think in Alberta or maybe on the prairies, uh, prairie provinces to receive a heart transplant. And so so he had received a a heart transplant. And when I met him, I thought it was just amazing that the heart that was beating in his chest 
had actually belonged to somebody else and had been in somebody else's chest. Just, just, just a crazy thing. But here's the interesting thing that even though he had a different physical heart, it didn't change who he was. Now, he had received a gift that had changed his life. He and his family were extremely grateful and thankful. But even though he'd had a change of heart, it didn't change who he was. Did you see what I did there? Change of heart? Got it, good, good. Just, just, just checking. Uh, he'd had a, a heart transplant, but his personality didn't change. His, the, the, the real him didn't change. And I think as humans, we intuitively understand that there's more to us than meets the eye. As people, we're more than just the sum of the parts. And you can break our bodies down into its elemental compositions. You can see that, you know, we're mostly water and then some protein and some fat. Some of us might be more fat, but anyway, uh, carbohydrates, minerals, you know, we're 65% oxygen in all of that. You know, you can break it down into its elemental components, all the, all the chemicals, but who we are as humans is more than that. Who we are as humans is more than skin deep. You're more than just your physical body. There's something beyond the physical that makes you, you. So when we're in this series called Holy Human, uh, talking about what it means to be a human being. And Pastor Ryan started us off last week by talking about our bodies and you know, kind of talked about how we often have this love-hate relationship with our bodies. We spend a lot of time on our bodies. We spend a lot of money on our bodies. Some of you spent some time on your bodies this morning before coming to church. Thank you for that. Some of us maybe didn't spend enough time, but that's okay. Um, uh, you know, but one of the ditches that we can fall into is that we focus entirely on our bodies. We, we focus entirely on our physical experience. And, and life is primarily about looking good. Life is about uh, the experiences that we have, experiencing pleasure, experiencing thrills. And, and, and that kind of is the focus of our lives. That's, that's one ditch. The other ditch that we can fall into is that we can hate our bodies. We can ignore our bodies. We can hurt our bodies. And as followers of Jesus, we can fall into both ditches. So the question we asked last week was, what does it mean for Jesus to be Lord of our bodies? And as followers of Jesus, we need to understand that Jesus will not only transform our bodies in the future, but he wants to redeem our bodies in the present. Jesus wants to be Lord of our bodies, wants to bring freedom and wholeness and confidence to our physical existence. But as remarkable and as astounding as our bodies are, there's more to being human than just having a physical body. There's, there's, there's more to it. I wanna go back to a very poetic and important verse uh, for the launching pad for what we're gonna talk about today. And, and it's the creation account found in Genesis chapter two. And it's the story of the creation of man. Your translation might use the word Adam, but, but really the, the word there is just kind of the generic term man, the, the Hebrew word for, for, for man, Adam. 
So Genesis chapter two, verse seven, it says this in the message. Uh, God formed man or, or Adam out of the dirt from the ground and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man came alive. A living, and, and what's the word? A living soul. So from this beautiful verse, we can learn two important things about what it is to be human. Number one, there is a physical aspect to our humanity. We're made from dirt. Or at least the guys are made from dirt. As, as uh, the commentator Matthew Henry said, that women are more refined. They're, they're not just, they're, they're made from something more refined than dirt. But, but the guys are, are, are made from dirt. So, so we have this physical creation. Man has a body. But that's not all that happened in that critical moment. Yeah, God formed man out of the dirt and then he did something else. It says that he breathed into his nostrils breath of life. And the man came alive, that the man became animated. The man became a living soul. So that's the biblical, biblical account of the creation of the first human. Uh, there's a physical aspect, that's the body. And there's also something beyond the physical that's needed for life, we need the breath of life. And when you have both of these things come together, you become human. The phrase is a living soul. Now that word soul is one of those interesting words in English. Uh, soul can be a fish. It can be uh, some music. It can be uh, something on the bottom of your shoe. It can even be a car if you drive a Kia. Uh, and it's not spelled the same, but it sounds the same. And, and the word for that is, is a homophone. Uh, words that sound, or sound the same, but aren't, or aren't spelled the same. And so, you know, what exactly is a soul? Well, when Genesis is talking about a living soul, uh, my friend, Pastor Darren Latham put it like this, and I think this is really good. The soul is the part of you that's not the bottom of your foot. <laughs> it's the part of you that's not physical. It's the part of you that's not physical. So you can't put your soul under a microscope and examine it. You, you can't put your soul in a test tube and analyze its chemical composition. Uh, you can't see a soul in an x-ray. You can't weigh a soul on a scale because it's not physical. And there's a very real part of you that's not physical. In fact, it's the part of you that brings life to what is physical. It's the life force of the body. And it is the part of you that continues to live even after your physical body dies. Now the New Testament teaches this really clearly. Paul wrote a letter to his friends in the church in, in the city of Corinth. And in this letter, he was talking about some of the difficult circumstances that we can encounter as followers of Jesus. And, and he's really writing to encourage them that even in the worst case scenario, when you're following Jesus and, and, and you know, you're, you're witnessing to 
biker gangs that are dangerous and you know some goes sideways you know even if you even if you lose your life serving Jesus even if our physical bodies get killed as as tragic as that is it's really not that bad because frankly it's not the end it's not the end and note what he says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 starting at verse 16 he says that's why we never give up though our bodies are dying our spirits are being renewed every day. Now, notice right there that Paul is making a distinction between our bodies and our spirits. He says our bodies, in fact, our our bodies are dying. We've got a shelf life. there's There's an expiry date. He says, but though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed. There's another aspect of who we are. He goes on, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now, rather we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. So what's Paul saying here? Well, he's comparing two realms. He says there's a physical realm that we can touch and see and feel. And then there is a spiritual realm, a realm that is beyond what we can touch and see and feel. There is more to our reality than what we can see with our physical eyes. And as human beings, beings that are created in the image of God, It's remarkable that we can relate to both of those realms. We're part of the physical world because we're flesh and blood. We can relate uh, to to the physical world. But we're also uh, part of the spirit realm because we have a soul. And as part of that spiritual world, uh, we can relate to that. It's the part of us that's not physical. It's the part that came through God's breath of life. And now when we're conceived Each of us as humans have a physical body and we also have a soul or a spirit. And that happens at conception. It's not that our souls are pre-existing and come and inhabit a body. That would be the, the teaching of Hinduism or, or the teaching of Mormonism. But as Christians, we believe that, that, that when, a, when a child is conceived, it's at that point of conception that the, the body begins to form and, and, and the spirit uh, uh, comes as well. So Paul goes on. And remember the chapter divisions in your Bible were not part of the original. Um, they were put into our Bible in the 13th century. And uh, the verse divisions came about the 16th century. And most of the time they're really helpful because we can find what we're looking for. But sometimes you need to read right through that division to, to get the thoughts. So, so, so Paul says here in, in end of chapter four, uh, four, verse 18, so we don't look at the troubles we can see. We fix our eyes on things that cannot be seen for the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. And then he says, for we know that when this earthly tent we live in is taken down, and then I love the way the New Living Translation says this, this that is, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. So again, notice there's this 
understanding that there's more than just a physicalness to who we are. Uh, this weekend is our, our father kid camp out. And so there's a bunch of uh, guys and their kids up at Camp Sela. Uh, some of them are in the pouring rain in a tent. It was probably an interesting evening because sometimes tents leak. Uh, sometimes tents are cold. And it's not hard to take down a tent. It may be hard to put the tent up, but typically it's, it's not hard to take the tent down. And sometimes you get those storms that come and the tent comes down when you don't want it to come down, right? You know, because tents are fragile. And Paul, who was a tent maker, uses this picture, this illustration, to help us understand that, you know what, that's what our physical bodies are like. They're, they're actually pretty fragile. And he's using this tent illustration to help us understand that our bodies are just like a tent. We're a, they're a temporary shelter. And he says, what we need to understand is that we're not always gonna live in a tent. God, in fact, is building us a permanent house in heaven. We're actually going to have a permanent transformed, glorified body. We're gonna step out of a frail thing that, that, that is this body into the new body that God has for us that he says, it's kind of like going from a tent to a house. I don't know about you, but after a while you get tired of living in a tent. You wanna go home and be in a house. That's exactly the illustration. Paul says in verse two, we grow weary in our present bodies. We get tired of living in a tent. And we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Uh, some translations say, we won't be found naked. That, that's an interesting way of putting it. We will not be spirits without bodies. We, we, we won't be found naked. Uh, Paul's saying, you know, being a soul without a body is kind of like being undressed. And, and know what he's saying here. He's not saying that, that he just wants to chuck the whole body thing. He's not saying that, that he can't wait to get rid of our, our bodies. You know, that was the idea of the Greek philosophers. They said the body is bad. The body is evil. The, the body is just a waste. The body, in fact, is a prison. And dying is like getting out of prison. It's like getting out of jail. Can't wait to get out of jail. Well, the Jewish and the Christian thought is very different. And J.I. Packer, a great theologian, said this, the Christian hope is not a redemption from the body, but redemption of the body. So that's our hope. Our hope is not just getting out of jail that is our body. Our hope is that I can't wait for this fragile temporary body to be renewed and restored and redeemed and glorified. I can't wait for the resurrection and the transformation of this body that is a tent into a house. So that's what Paul's saying. He's saying that the body is good, it's, it's treasured, it's honored and we're going to live forever, not as disembodied spirits, but as humans with a transformed, glorified body. A body just like Jesus already has. And Paul says, you know, wouldn't it be great if we could go right from these bodies to our transformed bodies? 
you know, kind of skip that, that, that middle step. But the reality is, unless you're alive when Jesus returns, you're going to experience something called death. And death is the separation of our soul from our body. And we'd like to skip that part. Because this separation of body and soul is something that is very unnatural. It's something that God never intended us to experience. Now, as as Christians, as followers of Jesus, we don't fear death. But the process of dying isn't something that any of us probably look forward to. And Pastor Dallas is going to help us with that in, in a couple of weeks. But, but let's land down on, on verse nine of, of chapter five. It says, so whether we're here in this body or away from this body, our goal is, is to please him. So again, Paul is, is bringing this understanding that we're more than just a body. You can actually exist without a body. You can be away from this body. And that's vitally important for us to understand. You see, a lot of people believe that humans are just bodies. And what we call the soul is actually nothing more than just chemical signals inside of our skull. And they would argue that the research and neuroscience in, in the past you know, 10, 20 years has made it less and less plausible to believe that we're anything more than just our brains. Our brain function can fully explain consciousness. Our brain function can fully explain the mind. And basically, they say our, our sense of consciousness is generated by the brain. It's, it's a product of brain function that the brain is just this amazing computer that perceives the world and interprets the world and interprets self and, and thoughts and emotions and decisions are all just brain activity. And then they would say that when you die, you die. That's it. It's kind of like unplugging the computer. You know, the screen goes dark. The light goes out. And it's, now I know if you got a laptop, but you know, you kind of lose that effect. But back in the old days when we all had desktops, do you remember the worst thing that could happen when you're working on a document is for the power to go out? Bang, you know, because you didn't have that battery backup and all of a sudden the, the computer would just go down and you'd lose it all. And there's people that would say, that's exactly what it is to be human. I saw a post this week in some social media uh, from, my, from, my, from my niece. She said, oh, I just lost the entire paper I was writing. <laughs> so I, I don't know what she did, but, but maybe the, the power went out. And that is a secular, a, a naturalist, a physicalist understanding of life. But as followers of Jesus, we've got a different take. 
uh, from what the Bible says, we would understand that it's not as simple as that. In fact, there's lots of evidence, not only from scripture, but from philosophy and, and experience, but also from neuroscience that would say that it's way more complex than that. And, and in fact, the further you dive into this, the more complex you understand this, this whole thing of the brain and the mind and consciousness actually is. And man, I got diving into some of that stuff this week and, and I realized that it was way over my head. I mean, like I've got a brain, but my brain was not doing real good absorbing all this information about the brain and about the, the soul and about the mind. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. And if you want to wrestle with the issue of neuroscience, there's incredible information out there that, that, that you can read through. But, but based on what the Bible says, we believe that there's something beyond the brain. It's called the soul. And consciousness, in fact, resides in the soul. Now, I understand that you can get knocked out and lose consciousness here. But ultimately, the, the essence of who you are, the consciousness of who you are as a person resides in the soul. Now, in very deep integration with the brain, they work together in, in a phenomenally complex way. Our, our brain is where our senses are processed. You know, we all got five senses, I wanted to write them down for, for, for my talk this morning. I had to Google them because I couldn't remember what they were. You know, we had the sense of sight and smell and touch and, and, and hearing and um, taste. Yeah, thank you. You know, we, we've got these senses. And so our, our brain is the, is the part of us that, that takes what we sense and experience in our body and, and interprets that for us. That's where the nerves go. They, they, they connect to, to the organ that is our brain. The brain is also where our soul encodes and accesses memories. We, we have memories stored in our brain. And one of the things I got thinking about this week that actually I, I never really found an answer to, didn't, didn't have time to really um, chase down was, you know, what happens to our memories then when we die, if, if, our, if memory is a part of brain function, like do, do we take our, our memories with us? Like, is there a way that our memory can get uploaded to the cloud? Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I was just thinking about that. Uh, I, I have a feeling that, that I mean, some way our, our memories must be preserved. I think there is a function of, of our soul or our spirit there and, and God could probably help us with that. But it just, you know, again, a, a question that, you know, there's complexity here and mystery here that I, I don't fully understand. But the brain is also where emotions are triggered and emotions are processed. We, we understand the, that, that chemicals get released in, in our brain and get released in our bodies that we feel as emotions. And so our, our brain and, and our, our chemical system in our body are, are responsible for that. And, and all of this brain function is deeply integrated with the function of our souls. In fact, we need to be very careful not to just kind of arbitrarily separate humanness into two parts. You know, we got our physical body and we got our soul. It's much more complex than that. There is a profound, profound integration. Human beings do not have souls. They are souls. In fact, the way that you could say it is this, I do not have a soul, I am a soul. 
And, and you just can't arbitrarily separate that. And as a human being, uh, my soul in deep integration with my brain and my body does a number of things. In fact, we can probably break it down into at least four things. And I got this illustration from Dr. J.P. Moreland and, and uh, Darren Latham. And they say there's one way you can think about your soul is to think of your soul as a chest of drawers. Does anybody have a chest of drawers at home? You, you probably got your chest of drawers in your bedroom because that's where you put your clothes, right? So what, what do you put in a chest of drawers? Well, the, the top drawer is where you put the socks, right? Right? Oh, I, I see some people going like this. Okay, let's, let's take a look. How many have socks in their top drawer? Okay, how many don't have socks in your top drawer? Okay, what do you have in your top? No, I don't think I want to know. We, we won't go there. There's, there's, there's some things maybe best left unsaid. So, so you put clothes in, you know, you put your socks in, you, you put your shirts in another drawer. We only have a, a three-drawer chest at home, and we have our socks, among other things, in the top drawer. And then Aileen has a drawer, and I don't know what she's got in her drawer, but my drawer is the bottom drawer, and in my drawer I've got my jeans, and I got the, you know, the summer uh, shorts and stuff and like that that I wear. But that, that you put clothes in your drawer. Well, they would say, uh, your soul is kind of like a four-drawer chest. And and this picture of a soul, it, it's kind of an old soul chest, right? So, so if you heard the term old soul, you can have a young body, but an old soul. Well, this, this is kind of an old soul uh, kind of uh, chest. So they would say in, in one drawer would be your intellect. It's your capacity to know, uh, your capacity to learn, to understand, your, your self-awareness, your belief system. Your intellect would, would be in one drawer. Another drawer would be your emotions. It's where you feel, where you experience, where your desires are. Again, emotions very integrated with your bodies and with your brain, but we would say that it's not just a function of, of body. There, there's an integration there with your soul. Another drawer is where you have your will, your ability to make choices and to make decisions. Now, decisions that are informed by your intellect and informed by your emotions... How many know you can make an emotional decision, right? It's informed by your emotions. But there, there's an aspect of our soul that, that is the decision-making center. And in fact, your brain can sometimes just kind of go on autopilot and then your soul kind of steps in and go, wait, 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 wait a minute. No, 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 we're doing this. I know sometimes, you know, I find myself, I'm driving to the church and all of a sudden, you know, I'm just on autopilot and I said, no, I'm supposed to be going to Costco. And, you know, and then I have to stop and make the decision because my brain's just on autopilot. And so, so there's a function there of choosing and deciding that, that, that is part of our, our soul. And then I put the top drawer would be our spirit. The part of you that relates to God, the part of you that relates to the spirit realm. And I know some of you would maybe see the spirit as something that is separate from the soul, but I think it's better uh, maybe the way that scripture often uses the language to also understand spirit as a function of the soul. Now, remember I said a, a, a minute ago that the brain provides a lot of the information that's, our mind and soul will process, but not all the information? Because that's, because we can also perceive things with our spirit. 
We can understand and know things with our spirit. And in fact, that's a huge part of the soul that God wants us to develop. Uh, Scripture instructs us to be filled with the spirit. To be baptized in the spirit is actually to to have our our soul immersed in the spirit of of God. And and as as people that are filled with the spirit, there's there's an aspect of us that that, uh, can communicate and relate to the spiritual realm beyond uh, what our minds or our brains, our physical bodies can perceive and understand. In fact, that's one of the beautiful things about a uh, spiritual language, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, is that there's, a, there's an aspect of that spiritual language that, that we receive when we speak that engages our spirit, but doesn't necessarily engage our brain because it's not a language that you learn or a language that you understand. It's a language that comes through the spirit that you speak. And God, by our spirit and our, and our soul, wants us to be people of the Spirit. In fact, we're called to be a prophetic people, to be able to perceive things beyond what we would see and understand with our physical bodies, our eyes, and our brains. People of the Spirit. But those four things are essentially what the soul is and and how it functions. There's just one soul but there's four different drawers. One soul with four different distinct capacities and functions. And friends, that's the real you. You're not just a body. You're not just a brain. You're a soul that is deeply integrated with your body. But while your soul is so deeply integrated with your body and with your brain that I think it's almost impossible for us to say where one stops and the, others be, the other begins, at some point, your body will falter. But your soul will live on. Remember what Paul wrote in, in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 9? We can be in the body or we can be away from the body. The last few days, we've had some phone calls at our house informing us that some people that we know have passed away. One was a, a friend that we knew, a, fa- a family friend that we knew from our, our days in Alberta. It was actually a, an EA, an educational assistant that was in the, in the high school uh, that Aileen and I attended as, as young people found out that, that she passed away. The other one was uh, a husband of Aileen's cousin. Uh, found out yesterday that, that he passed away Friday. And the funerals are gonna be next week, the, the following week. In fact, interesting little aside, we, uh, one of the funerals was going to be in Sydney. And so we decided hey, we're gonna to go to this funeral. Uh, did you know that there's also a Sydney in Manitoba? Um, so we actually won't be going to that funeral. But, uh, you know, we, we, we have funerals because we say goodbye to the bodies. But we understand that the soul lives on. The bodies have failed, but 
the soul lives on. And, and, and think about this, friends. Every person that's ever lived still exists. Every person you've ever known still exists. Every person you've ever heard about or, or read about still exists. Every person from the dawn of creation until now still exists. Because as human beings, people who are wholly human, we have a soul. The soul doesn't die. And the question is not whether these people exist. The question is where they exist. Listen carefully to what Jesus said about our souls. In Matthew 16, he says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Jesus, what do you mean lose your soul? It's like all of a sudden we can like, where'd our soul go? <laughs> What's he saying? No, he's saying, is anything worth more than your soul? And how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? What is more valuable than your soul? Nothing. I mean, everything else, there's MasterCard. But your soul is priceless. And Jesus says, you can gain the whole world. You can have all the possessions that you can acquire. You can have all the experiences. You can have all the thrills. But even if you chase and achieve all of these things in this life, when it comes to that moment when you have to step away from your body and your soul steps into eternity, what good is it? You can actually lose your soul, you say, well, how can I lose my soul? Well, it's about where your soul goes when your body dies. Will you spend eternity in the presence of God? Or will you spend eternity separated from God? And friends, that's a choice you make while you're still in your body here on this earth. After you die, it's too late. In the book of Hebrews, the, the writer put it like this in, in, in chapter nine, verse 27. And he says, just as each person is destined to die once and after that comes judgment, he says, you know what? We're all gonna die. All of our bodies are gonna fail. And at that point, after you die, that's when we're gonna be judged for the kind of people that we were here on this earth. But friends, the good news is, is that the sentence doesn't end there. Remember we talked about how the numbers are added in afterwards. And so you've got to kind of read through the number to get the whole thought. And he says, and just as each person is destined, uh, destined to die once and after that comes judgment, so also Christ was offered once for all time as a sacrifice to take away the sins of many people. The writer's saying, hey, just as surely as all of us are at one point going to die, just as surely and as truthfully and as, as as, as real as that is, uh, another reality is that Jesus was offered once for all as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Jesus Christ came to this earth and died so that we can be forgiven. But friends, we need to accept him while we're still in this world. 
while we're still in our bodies. Once we leave this world, it's too late. So what about you? When your body dies, what will happen to your soul? Because your soul will live on. The apostle Paul said that as followers of Jesus, we can be confident that when we die, our soul leaves our body. But we know that we can go to be with the Lord. That chapter there in 2 Corinthians 5 says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And this unnatural state that we step into, we understand will eventually be resolved in the resurrection. We'll step from this tent and later we will be clothed with, with a permanent house. We are not destined to, to spend eternity as, as disembodied spirits. There will be a resurrection. But where we spend eternity is all about what we do with Jesus while here on this earth. Friends, at your core, you're more than just a physical being. That part of you that is not physical is called the soul. It's the life part of your body. It lives forever and it's priceless. Let's pray. If you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I need to give you an opportunity to do that and in no way do I wanna be manipulative or put undue pressure on you, but I do wanna just really point out the reality that as someone that is a human being, you're more than just a physical person. You have a soul. And the Bible says that one day your soul is going to be away from your body. It's going to step into the spiritual realm, the, the, the realm of eternity. And you need to prepare for that moment while on earth. Are you prepared? Are you prepared? Jesus asked, is there anything worth more than your soul? Your soul is so important to Jesus that he stepped out of the realm of eternity and was clothed in flesh. He became human. He became the perfect sinless son of God that walked on this earth and eventually went to the cross and died for you. And that death provides forgiveness. That death provides a way for us to receive his perfect life so that our spirits can be saved, our souls can be saved, and our bodies can ultimately be transformed. Friend, if you're here this morning and you've never made a step towards Jesus, I would encourage you, I would challenge you, I would urge you to make that step today. That you can just pray a simple prayer like this and you can just pray along with me in, in your heart and I would just even encourage those of you that are followers of Jesus to just reaffirm, reconnect with the Lord in this moment by saying, Jesus, thank you for what you've done for us. Lord, thank you for the incredible gift that 
that who we are as, as, as people is the complexity of the, the physical body that we have and the complexity of, of how you've created us with, with a soul, a, a part of us that can relate to the physical world and a part that can relate to the spiritual world and, and how they are so incredibly and integrated in, in such a complex way. And Jesus, we want to surrender ourselves to you right now, body and soul. Lord, forgive us for the sins of our body and soul. Thank you that what Jesus has done for us sets us free from sin and shame. Thank you, Jesus, that your gift of life to us is a gift not just in the present, but is also a gift forever. That one day you will resurrect these frail bodies frail no longer, transformed. Jesus, may the life that is found in you be found in us. In your name. Amen.